like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi. Thrilled to have Dan Hodgins on today. Hi, Heather. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk today, actually, so I'm just going to give a little back, a bit of background and the quote here. So I'm going to talk for a while, Dan, and then it'll be your turn. <laughs> um, but several years ago, before I knew any of you, I um, was at the Indiana AYC conference and Lisa Murphy was the keynote speaker and she quoted you and she said, you know, as Dan Hodgins would say, we have to stop making developmental issues into morality issues or moral issues. And it blew my mind. Um, It was such a great way of saying what I had sort of been feeling and trying to do. So I've, I've mentioned it a lot on other episodes and you and I have maybe even talked about it, but I wanted to do an episode that was specifically just about what do you mean and why is it important and um and just get it out there for more people to have stuck in their heads <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and i think part of it it started for me was recognizing that every time i did a presentation people wanted to talk about guidance and discipline yes. and you probably heard this a lot too you know when you're out everybody there. is looking for that answer <laughs> And it doesn't matter what your topic is, Mm -hmm. it always goes back. And then I started thinking, why is this so important? Why is this subject so important? And Mm -hmm. then I realized that people were um, looking at their own life in terms of their own upbringing and their own establishment and their own uh, reasons for believing in certain things. And it all related back to some sense of morality Mm -hmm. issues. Uh, And then, of course, I read Kohlberg's, and Kohlberg is that kind of individual that's always been controversial, and stating, you know, that that children start out with an understanding of 
who they are and how the universe impacts them, mm -hmm. which of course is the egocentric thought mm -hmm. that Piaget talked about. Then he moves from there and into four stages. And, and the last one is that universal concept. We do things because it's best for the universe. Mm. Well, some people never make it there. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, and then I realized that some people want children, young children, to be at the fourth stage. So yes. when they say things like, um, we don't, you shouldn't pick your nose, people aren't going to like you if you mm -hmm. pick your nose, all of that kind of thing, is really a, a statement of the universe will look at you differently if you do this behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at it in terms of all guidance and discipline, it all pretty much all relates to somebody's understanding of what the moral implication is. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to look at it in terms of children do it because of their developmental level Mm -hmm. They pick their nose because there's a hole and you and fill it. holes are for filling. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, that kind of, it's so much. And then you say, store that in here. You hand them a Kleenex. There's no moral implication here. It's just yeah. uh, a developmental concept. And then I realized that this is probably applies to just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of um, the reason it's so hard for people who work with children to move towards looking at it developmentally rather than as a morality issue. I mean, partly it's our upbringing and the culture we grew up in, but there's this feeling that you can't let kids get away with stuff. Yes. And so yes. if we aren't treating it as morally right or wrong, then we're getting hazy and yes. we're letting them get away with it. And right. so, so all the things I talk to people about, um, you know, looking at it developmentally and here's what you can do if you see a skill they need more practice with, or um, maybe they just need to get older <laughs> before we can expect that of them. Right, right. That translates into letting them get away with it. And, yes. and that's, I think that's another reason that that quote really stuck with me because it's a different way of processing through that idea that, well, then we're just soft. Then we're just, you know, Right. It's like the subject of hitting. Yeah. People will say that um, we don't hit because those are our friends and we don't want to hit our friends. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell is a friend? Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe you don't want to hit your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll ask them, you don't want to hit your friend, do you? And what if they say yes? Right. You're stuck. Yes. Yeah. Where it'd be much easier to say, you want to hit, hit this, mm -hmm. uh, and keep it at that uh, developmental uh, concept rather than looking at how to make people universally friends. Yeah. And, and I think we, we talk about, and you mentioned Kohlberg and, and that fourth stage of what's best for the universe. And people might be thinking in that way, you know, I just, they need to be good people. So I need to, um, show them what's good and make them not want to do what's bad. But most often it's what's good for me and my daily schedule and my classroom functioning and yeah. my, my um, how, how difficult this behavior is making my job. So it's not even really about making the world a better place, even when we talk about it that way. Um, and I think that's another, another reason to talk about thinking of it developmentally rather than 
as right or wrong or good or bad. Yeah, and not only is it right or wrong concept, but it also, the question becomes whether or not um, it is developmental. Um, mm -hmm. Is it the stage I'm at? Because I'm always, when I'm observing children, I first look at, is this typical for this stage of development? Mm -hmm. um, if it is, then let it go in yeah. terms of that component. Um, then you look at, all right, how does that impact the child currently rather than present and past? Because uh -huh. we always want to talk about the present. Well, what's going to happen if that child goes to whatever? Right. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, our concept with children should be present tense only. Mm -hmm. And that's really difficult for adults because we, we tend to want to prepare children yeah. for something. I mean, the other day on Facebook, somebody said, I, I, how do you teach children to learn? And they were toddlers. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell? Why First would of all, if question? you don't already understand that toddlers are driven to learn already, right. that's, that's maybe not your age group. <laughs> Correct. And that's what I wanted to say. And she was wanting activities to uh -huh. do so they would learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, you might want to move to senior citizens or something <laughs> of that sort. Or maybe a nice social media sales. Or Correct. Right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so what that reminded me, I um, I just read an article. I've been reading a lot of stuff by this guy, Peter Moss lately, and he's from the UK and um, I hadn't heard of him and suddenly I'm looking at everything I can find, but he has an article talking about getting beyond the investment narrative about working with young children. It's not about how many dollars we get returned in the future for the dollar we invest now in early childhood. And it's not about necessarily the citizens that we get then it's about, we should be really just thinking about who is this child who's in front of me and what do they need right now? And how can I be with them in that? And, and yeah, then maybe great things come down the road. But if that's our sole focus, we're putting a lot on the shoulders of a two, three, four, five-year-old um, in terms of what we expect from their behavior. If what we're thinking is, I have to change all of this so that he will right. be a better, she will be a better human later. And I think that's what I've been thinking late. You know how, Heather, I, I go off and I think and wonder, hmm, am I the only one that's thinking this? Well, now I'm wondering whether or not, whether or not teaching children, excuse me, whether or not teaching children about the environment and how to handle the environment so it's a better place uh, is it a moral issue rather than a developmental issue? Oh. So, and I'm not suggesting that we're all responsible for making a better world, whether it be through recycling or whatever. Uh -huh. But is it with the responsibility of young children um, to uh, look at that in terms of the impact when that's more of a, a future concept, a yeah. school age concept? Yeah. Uh, for example, the same thing like with gardening. I'm thinking in my 36 years, I've never had a child ask me, could we plant uh, flowers so that I can uh, pull them up uh, <laughs> during the day? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm wondering whether or not we are taking issues that are really adult issues uh -huh. and now saying, let's prepare young children 
for um, making the world a better place, which is a moral concept. Right. And it's a not better a place for healthy. whom yeah. and by whose standards. Exactly. Yeah. So it's healthy, but it's not a pro it's not developmental. Right. So it's like it's like a lot of the other sort of more academic stuff. We see what we want it to look like. And so we start pushing that model younger and younger. Yes. And I think the the uh, sort of ecological example that you used is, is, is good for this conversation because if we're looking at it as a moral issue, we want you to grow up to be people who save the world. And that looks like recycling and gardening and, um, you know, sustainable stuff. Right. Um, but in, instead, if we just thought developmentally, children like to play in the dirt, they like to be outside, they deserve to be outside and they need to be outside just because of who they are now yes, and, and what they deserve now. I think that leads to those other goals in a better Absolutely. way because yeah. then they care about, and they have this emotional connection to the, to the earth and to outside. And so then when they're old enough and they're presented with the other information, they've, they've got that connection already. Right. It's like handing them a shovel and they start digging in the dirt and then they find a worm. And then there's a major discussion about where a worm poops and how they poop. and <laughs> If and it has a penis. <laughs> Which are all really major questions yes. for young children because yeah. it's developmental which I agree with you, then it leads later on to perhaps looking at worms as a way to um, filtrate and understand the concept. But mm -hmm. at the young age, it's, you know, there's, there's different questions that are important. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean that they don't care about the world, but they're not looking at it in mm -hmm. a way to save uh, the world at this concept because they're not at that moral stage of development right. yet. Right. And developmentally, we know that children don't learn best by just hearing things. Correct. Um, but when we get into, especially behavior conversations, we expect them to learn immediately by just hearing us say what's okay and what's not. Right. Um, right. Uh, and, and we just sort of throw away what we know about development, that they construct well, knowledge based on experience and being active. Sure, it's the same idea of the concept of swearing, mm -hmm. whether or not swearing is really a moral issue or is it just a communication mm -hmm. issue? Yes. <laughs> and, and how we uh, communicate. And, and I've been questioning people on whether or not who decides what's bad or good. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, if a child, young child had to choose between being nice, whatever that is, mm -hmm. and bad, they're gonna choose bad. <laughs> Because it's easier it's and easier. Yes, it's exactly. Easier it's within their skill set. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's not, you know, it's what we do is we move children into a morality issue uh, mm -hmm. with the subject of swearing. And it really has nothing to do with moral. Yeah. It has to do with what I've heard, what kind of attention I get from it, uh -huh. whether or not it's exciting. And by the way, saying certain words is kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> right. It does impact. Right. Uh, we have all kinds of research now coming out that there's cathartic effects yes. from swearing when adults swear. Um, and why wouldn't we think the same would be true for children? Then if, they, <laughs> if we get relief from, from using the word, um, why wouldn't we think that they do? 
And adults will even say things like, um, let's not call it swearing any longer. Let's call it potty talk. Oh my God. I just saw a meme yesterday about toilet talk that made me so angry. It was all about shame and feeling bad about bodies um, because it's more comfortable for the adults when, when the children are, are engaging in that sort of uncomfortable stuff for us. Right. Uh, you're setting fact. them up to feel bad about their bodies. Yes. <laughs> and I keep thinking when I'm in the toilet, I'm usually not swearing. <laughs> I'm usually by myself. Uh, <laughs> and swearing has no impact if you're by yourself. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, maybe if there's no toilet paper, well, I'll true. do a for <laughs> fuck's sake kind of a thing. <laughs> Very true, yes. <laughs> Just in general, I'm not swearing in there. You're much. right. Yeah. I think adults create these um, avenues uh, because it really bothers them. Yeah. Um, where it really doesn't have any trigger of mm -hmm. looking at how the child's going to grow and change and, and all that component yeah. um, in terms of preparing them by yeah. not doing something. It's another opportunity for us to break harmful cycles. Yes. And I think so right. many people who come into the work, I've, I've just heard so many people, myself included, talk about how I just wanted to be who I needed when I was younger, that quote, or I just wanted to break the cycle that I was stuck in. Um, and, and instead we engage in all this shame and, yeah. um, and, and it puts a wall up between us and the children that we're trying to build a relationship with. If we're constantly thinking about whether they're good or bad um, or whether they have done morally right things or morally wrong things um, instead of just being human with them and understanding that they're at a different de developmental level than I am. So right, right. they're going to react in different ways than I would. And if we observe children a lot and carefully, we'll see that their behavior is typically based on their development, not mm -hmm. on their moral understanding right. um, component. And I think that's part of the, the challenge when we talk about not pushing other children um, when you look at that, they didn't really ask to be around all of those kids. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're asking them to behave in a way that's not natural. Yeah. You know? I was just talking to, well, it's the woman who does my hair. Um, she has a toddler and, um, she was talking about how first he was the biter in the group and now he's the shover in the group. And, um, she's, you know, she's taking it all in stride. She understands that it's developmental and it's going to be okay. But, um, but I said that, I said, you know, children don't, didn't ask to be in that group together all day, especially same age children sure. in a group together all day who have the same developmental sort of levels and, ch and challenges that they're working through. Um, so, so yeah, they're going to respond in ways that we don't want, but sure. it doesn't make it wrong. It's no. it's developmentally to be expected that children with, especially toddlers with limited language skills and limited experience with problem solving and interacting right. with others are going to use, you know, the tools they have. Sure. To solve and the problem toddlers, if you're in my way, I will push you out of my way. That's normal. <laughs> Why would we want to make that abnormal? Right, right. <laughs> because it's normal behavior. Yeah. Uh, and if we look at it in that way, then we don't make statements like, we don't want to push our friends. Yeah. It's not nice to push. Because those kind of statements are all moral 
right. level thinking processes rather than, um, you know, move this way, move around this way, yeah. let's move faster through this way, that kind of thing would or be just factually saying, it did, I don't think you saw him. You walked right, right over him. <laughs> and exactly. just sort of right. using tuning in language to sort of eventually build that awareness of, sure. of other folks in your space. But yeah. also I've had 50 years of experience working out what nice means and what I think it looks like and how <laughs> I can do it. And they've got two, three years, you know, 36 months of experience on earth to figure it out. And we're giving them conflicting and weird messages about what nice is. Right. And when you think about it as adults, you and I would probably have very different definitions of what nice is. Uh, And and a lot of it depends on what we can take personally Mm -hmm. in terms of our jokes. It has nothing to do with you or me. It has to do with (laughs) you know even as adults we're looking at that process of what's nice and that's why the debate is adults and how behaviors uh is probably always going to be there because we're looking at it in terms of how it impacts me rather than how it impacts right and we we get so annoyed at children for being egocentric and we think it's something we need to teach them out of but we very much function egocentrically through our day um, (laughs) (laughs) without much thought about it absolutely absolutely and I think part of it is is related to the aspect of you know how it impacts us what it does for us whether or not it's important for us Mm -hmm. which is all that egocentric thought so it's not that we ever lose egocentrism we might just use it in different ways or we get better at navigating it, Absolutely. I think. Um, but ultimately, it's a survival skill, right? That that yes. has that's come through us through you know all the time of humanity evolving. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, that we we really have to focus on ourselves for survival. But the skill comes with getting older. Sure. Um, to navigate it and decide what is really a riff, <laughs> a threat, and what isn't. <laughs> yeah. And- you know, now there's a lot of books for children. I've noticed um, when I went to the bookstore the other day, the number of books that really imply yeah. moral reasoning. Yeah. I mean, the bears team bears say please and thank you. I'm thinking, you know, bears don't say that. <laughs> yeah, right. Or even well, the, you know, the books like, um, what are they? Um, hands are not for hitting, teeth are Absolutely. not for biting yeah. um, that are very popular. They actually, in in a study that someone did, and I think it was pretty informal, but they did a, you know, over a period of time, they saw biting increase when they read those yes. books yes. because, it, <laughs> because yeah. it wasn't uh, quite, that's not how children are learning. They're not reading a book about my teeth not being for biting. And then in a stressful moment when they want to bite, they're like, oh, wait, right. we read that book last week. Right. So I'm going to stop and make yeah. a different choice. That's and that's really naive of us to feel you know, like that. indicates that children select books based on whether or not they can adapt to it, mm-hmm. uh, identify with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those kinds of things are not identifiable right. in, in most cases. I don't go around uh, expecting that children are going to say please and Thank you. Right. Uh, if I want them to, if that's my value, then I just use it in my own language Absolutely. because I understand how language development occurs yeah. in children. Yeah. The question, Heather, then is, does that make you a nice person? 
to use those words. Yeah. Oh, I could, I think a case could be made that that makes somebody a manipulative person. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of it, the part of the challenge of this whole moral issue Uh is what we, what we define as being morally correct Uh uh, versus being quote, sinful. <laughs> or you know yes, the, re- the recovering evangelical in me exactly <laughs> yes yes has a and a we real... haven't really decided that well i shouldn't say that because i think some people some people have decided have yeah. made that decision and that's why they apply it to their practices mm-hmm. uh with with children mm-hmm. without even thinking about um what's my goal, whether or not it's appropriate, and is it really at a developmental level? Right. Yep. This is, this comes up so much. And honestly, where I use this phrase the most is when I'm teaching at, um, at the community college, especially, especially the behavior class, but really all of them, because it comes up so often in discussion boards or just the, the phrases we use, you know, this is with a good kid and some of the kids were out of control and you know when they do observations and stuff so um so I introduce them to the idea and we expand as much as we can but um just having that phrase I think is so useful and I think you know one of the things that I get a lot in workshops is is people who ask how do you stop children from name calling yeah calling each other butt face and all of that and I'm thinking wait a minute you call them a butt face back (laughs) (laughs) and the most important part of their body (laughs) they're using frequently in their language which is right developmental um perspective rather than looking at it as a bad thing look at it as a good thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um they they're looking at trying to find out who you are and whether or not you have a butt. Yeah, right. And one of one of the goals of, in sort of social development and early joke telling is figuring out what the other guy is going to think is funny. Right. And butts are universally funny when you're three. Sure. Especially when you throw in potty training stuff like that has become that has been the biggest focus of their life for so long at that point. Um, whether my butt's clean or dirty and exactly. whether I'm, I'm going on the potty or not and the big celebration and all the praise I get when I do it right. And now suddenly saying, butt is wrong. Yes. It's so confusing for them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, look at how many of these experiences that are normal, mm-hmm. going to the toilet, et cetera, really have developed into moral issues. Yeah. Uh, and you're a nice person if you use the toilet and then flush it and then wash your hands, yes. which are three major separate kinds of behaviors. Yes. <laughs> we now turn those all three into moral issues. You want to yeah. keep your hands clean because then you're healthy and then you don't impact the illness on others, etc. Yeah, yeah. Which might be true. <laughs> There's definitely good points, good sides there. I helped a little girl go to the bathroom this week and she had to go poop. So I stood in the bathroom while she was in there because um, it's off the classroom. And um, she came out and she was like, do you love me now? And I was like, I do love you, but I would love you even if you didn't poop in the toilet. <laughs> so I don't know if I undid something that was happening at home, but Oh, I love the idea of being able to love love someone based on whether or not you poop. Based on 
other pooping habits. <laughs> oh, I love that kind of sweet. I know her face. You love me so now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see that being established as a relationship builder? <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> Use that on your dating profile when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you prepare children for that? <laughs> uh, if you want good lovers, how do you prepare them for <laughs> Oh my God, that's a whole other conversation. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> God, I don't know that I can come back now. <laughs> Oh man, do you have other examples of of that just are at the top of your head of when we make a moral issue out of a developmental issue? I mean, I think it really applies to any any time we're thinking about behaving. Sharing, yes, sharing, yes, it's really become a real major uh, moral issue because someone has taught us somewhere that sharing people are better than two people who choose not to share right and they've turned it into a moral issue yeah again if you look at Kohlberg's last stage we would share because we impact the universe mm-hmm. and want to make pe- it's like the world is a rainbow concept uh, who doesn't want a yeah. world of, of, of accepting but yeah. that's a last stage of moral understanding and they've now moved sharing way up to that fourth stage. And and the way we go about it messes it up so much, like complicates it so much. We, we think and feel like, you know, two children are in conflict over the same toy and we feel like a nice child would just give up his toy and let the other one have it. But the other one then is learning some sort of questionable things. You know, I I get to what I want. I can just take it. If I make enough of a fuss, I get my way. Um, The child who loses hears the word sharing and associates it with loss. Yes, yes. So we're not teaching them to be kind and considerate and, you know, members of a community and all the things we say that we want when we talk about sharing we're teaching them somebody wins somebody loses yes 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 and i think the concept of of sharing um is way beyond the developmental level Mm -hmm. of the young child and i think um so we we're giving that hidden image that if you do not share then you are a bad person yeah and we'll even make statements like people will make statements like, don't forget, boys and girls, we share our toys at school. Yeah. Which is a universal concept. Uh-huh. It's not really an individual egocentric uh, concept. And uh-huh. I think probably the best shares are those that do not share <laughs> <laughs> because that implies um, that they really want it, that they get to own it, they get to possess it. And that will decide whether or not they want to give it up or not. Yeah. But even giving it up doesn't mean that that behavior is better than deciding to keep it forever. Yeah. And if we look at it developmentally, yeah. it makes sense that children who are egocentric by nature, because they have to be, because that's part of their survival and their learning. Yes. Um, they have to focus on themselves for a while before they can focus on other people. Um if we're looking at 
at it in that from that perspective, then they need to experience ownership and control before we can expect them to look at somebody else's perspective. And we don't give them that opportunity. We immediately get into this sort of um, good intentioned, but wrong minded (laughs) um, messaging of you have to share. And I'm not a good parent if my child doesn't share. Right. So the statement that we share our belongings with friends, if we shifted that thought process, because that moves it to the fourth level, Mm -hmm. if we shift it to you decide if you want to share, keeps it at a developmental level. Or we respect other people's desire to control when they have to give something up. Like we respect their perspective. We, we understand why they're holding on to it still is much more, I think, um, conducive to people who want to think about what's best for the universe. (laughs) (laughs) It's like saying to children, we don't hit our friends. Well, again, like we mentioned, I just did. That's what my mind always says. (laughs) Right. And the aspect, it, it would make it easier if we simply made a statement like, did you ask if they wanted your hand in your eyeball? Kind <laughs> of thing. I mean, that's developmental. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at her face. I don't think she wanted you to touch her. Right, you, know? <laughs> you know, in those concepts, it's so much easier, I believe, to mm-hmm. look at it in terms of a developmental level rather than a morality issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the practice fits um, the stage of development the yeah. child's at. Yeah. And, I, and like you said earlier, I think we can be the cause of someone to, quote, be badder yeah. um, because of what we do or say at that level. Right. If it's a developmental need, then they're, they are driven to right. act in that way. And if we push against it, they have to push harder Absolutely. And I don't mean that in like, well, they're, they're going to be naughtier. I just mean that's that sure. their body's going to tell them to do and their brain's going to tell them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other concept that commonly is brought up is the idea of children who decide to lead. Um, you know, oh. we have leaders and mm-hmm. we have followers. And sometimes there's a middle. I'm not sure what to call the middle. <laughs> But uh-huh. there are people who just don't know whether or not they want to be a leader or a follower. Yeah. Um, so sometimes they just watch what should be the looker um, mm-hmm. component. But I think we always view leaders as is something, or excuse me, we view followers as something wrong. That we really want leaders and not followers. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, how do we have leaders if we don't if have followers? We don't have followers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Try to play hide and seek by yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You do need You're the followers to get any done. Who's listening? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to find him, and there's nobody to find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So or they're all hiding, and no one's. <laughs> but we think that following is is a bad behavior. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so we often will say, you know say to children, I've heard adults do this, they'll say to a child, you know, you don't have to follow him if you don't want to. Yeah. And I know what the concept is. They want make they want to make sure that children stand up for their personal rights. Sure. And but again, that kind of statement doesn't indicate that. No, and just assuming that mm-hmm. is is where we get into trouble. Like I can watch an interaction and see that the 
child being led isn't really all that into it, but doesn't know how to get out of it. (laughs) And then I might say, you know, I'm looking at your face and it looks like maybe you don't want to play that anymore. Right. And and then I see how they respond. I was like, you can tell her that you don't want to play that way anymore. Um, Or what, what, what would your idea be? And maybe we can incorporate that too. So there are times I think that we can guide that, but just to assume that anyone who is following a leader is unskilled or lacks confidence or needs our intervention um, is where it gets messy. Right. I watched a group of children, you know, young children, especially three and four-year-olds like the herd, uh, you know, so they'll play the dogs and cats yeah. and they're running around barking and or meowing, that kind of thing. And, and somebody will say, oh, I want to be the leader dog. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, um, an adult might interfere and say, well, we'll have to take turns being leader. Yeah. Well, that's a moral uh-huh. statement um, where we could simply say, you, you know, uh, you can choose to be your own leader um, and create your own herd yeah. if yeah. you want. Um, or have <laughs> you asked him um, if, you, if you could be the leader right mm-hmm. now? He's going to right. say no, but you can at least ask. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that's not the part I'm saying to the child, but <laughs> I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> uh, and, but we we interfere um, because morality takes charge, and yeah. rather than keeping it at a level where hurting is how you work it out together mm-hmm. and figure out how you're going to do this, and and it ends up being lots of people barking. um or biting or whatever um that component is and and it has nothing to do uh with the morality component Mm -hmm. yeah and i think if we if we try to find some sort of adult analogy um to that well i'll say grown-up analogy because adult analogy sounds weird anyway um you know when you're deciding where to go out to eat it's really helpful to have that one person who is going to get the group together and go or oh do i need that right choices and i don't like to make all the i mean i want i don't want to decipher all those choices just tell me where you want to go right (laughs) there are definitely times when i am happy to be the follower really welcome that leadership um so so it's not all if we if we think about you know in adult situations everybody's not a leader in all in our workplaces in our families there there are roles and skill sets and preferences that we we make leaders um into moral uh individuals right and we make followers into less moral Uh Yep. Look at any performance review for any adult working in a job. Leadership is seen as, as the big thing that you want to get to, but we couldn't function if everyone was leading. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So translate that down into three and four-year-olds. It makes just as much sense. Sure. And I think part of it is if we keep it at the developmental level, um, then our practices fit the stage mm-hmm. of development rather than our expectation of what we hope that the child will grow right. into, whatever right. that might be. Yeah. Um, and I think our own, I've, I've talked a lot about teacher ego and the way it can impact. I think a lot of this comes from that too, because if I, if my view of the child is an empty vessel waiting for me to pour things into its head and basically 
um, naughty until I teach them the rules, uh, which I, I know people who think that way. They may not consciously think that way, but that's where all their practice comes from. Um, that feels like teaching for some people because I'm in control and I'm um, changing the child. Um, but it's so much more satisfying since I've sort of shifted myself into the developmental level and looking at, okay, yeah, I'm a, my, a teacher, I'm called a teacher, but really I'm just here to understand them and, sure. and what yeah. do they need and can I foster, can I support, or do I need to step out um, and let them work it through themselves? Do I need to just wait and let time and maturation <laughs> take care of it? Mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. is so much more, I think, satisfying. Um, at the end That's of the day. Great. Yeah, yeah. And to continue with that thought is you look at if your goal is to make moral reasoning individuals, uh -huh. then there's really nothing wrong with that goal unless you define what moral reasoning is for that person. Yeah. Uh, and I think if we look at young children being able to be present uh, being able to, you know, to do the things that are important for him or her at that stage mm -hmm. is how we get a moral reasoning. I mean, if we're looking at universal thought, uh, first I need to look at myself and decide <laughs> whether or not I like myself or do I like yeah. myself and who am I around? How do I work with the people that I'm around? Which is what preschool children are trying to figure out mm -hmm. um, in the world. If we look at that as a builder for universal thought, that's a different practice than constantly to trying to teach a child to be moralistic mm -hmm. in their approach. Because uh, one, I think, gets that, and the other one doesn't mm -hmm. in terms of the uh, uh, moral understanding. So. Yeah. And I, I think it, it, you know, it makes sense that people come into it on that moral, moralistic side of things just because of how we've all grown up. Yes. Um, but an intentional teacher who's really curious about development, I think, will will be willing to make that transition, um, and and understand what they're feeling themselves about it, and and what they need to maybe adjust in their work with the kids. Sure. And when you think about it, Heather, the real thought is who decides what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of us would probably answer me <laughs> <laughs> well if we're all self-aware and honest yeah, we would yeah, answer yeah. me, I mean, yeah. me. <laughs> that's true and, and yes. how the me's defined is so different in terms of their approach yeah uh, and you're right it's up to the upbringing it's up to our experiences we had mm -hmm. or did not have in some Definitely. cases um decides what that right or wrong is and I'm often saying, if you're going to start a new program, one of the things you need to find out from staff is what do they think is right and what do they think is mm -hmm. wrong? Yep. Because that really states whether yeah. or not we can think in terms of development or moralistic reasoning. Yeah. That yeah. approach. Definitely. And we I often don't think about it in terms of that. We think in terms of, um, you know, what my experience was, what, what are my qualifications? Yeah. Um, how do I work with other adults? But it really comes down to who decides what right and wrong. Yeah. I remember <clears throat> a couple semesters ago talking to a group of new grad graduate students. And uh, 
we were doing orientation for the preschool program. And so we went through our um, sort of introduction to the philosophy of, you know, helping kids with their behavior in our program. And one of the clinicians, when I was done with everything, asked if that's how I also raised my children. And I was like, well, yes, because <laughs> I know developmentally this is true, whether they're in my house or in a preschool classroom. Right. And they were so surprised by that um, because, you know, and teachers who say, well, I know we can't really do anything here because it's childcare and because of licensing or whatever. I was like, no, it's developmental. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's easier to focus on what might have caused my understanding than it is to really look at taking responsibility for sure. my understanding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hard. Anytime we're asked to become more self-aware um, and it's more negative than, than, than positive for us, it, it's, it's easy to shut down and just stop the work there. Right. Uh, become defensive of... You know, because the other the other idea is then if I've been taking more of a moral stance with behavior, um, now you're saying I harmed kids and I've never harmed a kid in my life. And, you know, there's just some some there has to be some willingness to say um, it's a cliche. But when we do what with the best we can with what we know and when we know better, we do better. Yes. Forgive yourself a little bit. um, Let your defenses down and think about why you're in the work. And we always say we're here because of the children. So if that's true, then we need to, that's the way we need to think about things. Right, like going back to the concept of hitting, I'm often asking people, are you assuming that hitting is wrong? (laughs) (laughs) You do know that we pay big bucks to watch people hit at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Or wherever, wherever we pay big bucks uh, and you don't, consider that wrong right uh, in fact if you don't see a fight the game isn't worth it in yeah. <laughs> that's right yes <laughs> so it may be something terrible. we don't want to see exactly that doesn't make it wrong right you know it may be something right. that that we want to help get through but it doesn't right. mean that um that they're morally bad people correct and plus we put them in a position where hitting for children is natural because you're in my way, mm-hmm. or I want this, um, mm-hmm. whatever, um, is is a more natural uh, perspective. And I would be worried about children who <laughs> who never, yeah, who never, yeah, yeah, tried to tried to solve a problem in that way. <laughs> <clears throat> and just a child who uses their words, which I hear constantly. Yes, I hate that phrase. Uh, yeah, better than the child who hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, just right. those two practices right. don't match to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe the specific behavior that we're seeing right. is, is different. And, you know, we would prefer the using words because it's easier for us and better for them in that situation, maybe. But again, it's not that something's wrong with that child or that child is bad yeah. um, and needs a label. It just means developmentally, he handles things different than Absolutely. this kid does, or and this kid's child, had different experiences sure. than that kid has. And if a child says, you shit face, <laughs> is that better than hitting? I mean, <laughs> I'm not, you know, more. Right? I'm just not sure which right? one is better than 
<laughs> we'll put a poll up when this podcast comes out and we'll let people vote. Would you rather be hit or be called shit face by a child in your classroom? <laughs> True, but you know, again, I part of the conflict of the whole guidance and discipline really often relates to um, their moral understanding yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, in some cases. Yeah. Versus- Which leads to the kind of practices that are taught to ch- to teachers that only focus on changing and compliance and don't look at why is it happening or if they do ask why it's happening it's only to get them to the to the change that we want we Correct. don't really teach people to think well yeah i think it is to be expected for this developmental age that i'm with today to to act in that way yes. and i'll yes. try to help them i'll try to support them but um i'm not going to make a moral decision about that child based on this um but we don't we don't teach people that no no and as we've talked throughout this you know period this how important keeping it a developmental level versus a morality level um is important because it really all connects Mm -hmm. to the this concept and that's why you know i made the statement and, and use it frequently is because they um, it does impact um, so much mm-hmm. of our practices with, with young children. Mm-hmm. And daily, every day, every yeah. minute of the day, we have an opportunity to, to yeah. think one way or the other, I think. And when you think about parents and guardians who are bringing children into a program, whether or not they are a good parent is often based on <laughs> how the children are behaving. Exactly. Yes, yes, definitely. You know, so you look at it as, wait a minute here, don't base your parenting skills yes. on developmental levels. Yeah, yeah. I see that that pressure is so intense for parents. Oh, yes. And uh, one of the one of the groups I work with is a play group where the parents stay with their toddlers and um, clinicians are there sort of coaching the parents for mm-hmm. how they can support children's language development at home. And, um, but I, I, they're just constantly, the parents are constantly hovering because they're, yes. they, and I think it's just because they feel that pressure that my child might hit, my child might not share, my child might do right. something that will look, you know, reflect poorly on my parenting. And, uh, that's no way to live either. <laughs> no. Yes. Just you we should just there be able be to no celebrate the children. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yes. All right, so it's settled. We're going to think about developmental issues and not moral issues. Good. Good. Done it. This podcast is going to change it all. Right. <laughs> That's um, a universal thought, Steve. I don't think we're there yet. We're not quite there yet. Okay, well, I'll I'll continue to strive. Right. (laughs) This was great. Thank you, Dan. Always so much fun to talk to you. Thanks, Heather, for having me. Yep, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Come back again next week for another episode. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.